Hi everyone, I'm Deputy Editor Lorraine Lawson and welcome to The Buzz from Bank Automation News, where we explore how automation technology is transforming the banking industry. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry this week. And before beginning, I'd like to give a big thanks to band sponsors and advertisers Flia and Volante. Thank you so much for your support. I'm pleased to be joined by Associate Editor Aaron March. It's, it is November 19th, and here are the biggest news items from our editorial team this week. Uh, Timonos held its developer conference, Scale. They announced a new sandbox that would allow new capabilities for developers. They also discussed three innovative use cases that we covered um, in our news story. But they also launched Timonos Exchange, which Martin Bailey, Director of Innovation and Ecosystem, called a new expanded comprehensive Timonos ecosystem. And it builds on their Amazon US marketplace for partnering fintechs. Now, what this means is that Timonos is offering more support for for beginning fintechs. Um, They will actually reinvest 20% of their exchange revenues into their fintech innovation program. And that doesn't mean that they're slacking on support. However, he, uh, Martin Bailey said that all the providers are pre-integrated and cloud ready. Uh, So what this will do is it'll give banks that want to be a little more cutting edge the opportunity to partner with these fintechs and use their solution with their core. Um, But if you are risk averse, then you will be able to deal with more established fintechs. So Aaron, you reported on Backbase's new data lake and its partnership with Microsoft. That's another company with a big cloud ecosystem. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, sure, Lorraine. Um, you know, so once again, you hit on it. This is um, we're talking about a, a very powerful core, a cloud-based um, technology that 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 has quite a bit of versatility there. Um, what we saw um, earlier in the the month when this went to like general availability um, is that there was a number of these partners who were um, offering like deeper in- integrations with the uh, with the Microsoft Cloud. So it's going to be easier you know, to add and implement their technologies for those who adopt um, the, the Microsoft Cloud for financial services. But what we're seeing is some of these partners are sort of taking an additional step. Um, they're tapping the artificial intelligence and computing strength of the Microsoft Cloud and um, Microsoft software like, um, like Teams. Um, certainly Azure is part of this as well, but um, they're, they're using the strengths of the Microsoft cloud and software to then enhance some of their own capabilities. So what we're seeing with Backbase um, is now they've got um, like a data lake capability and functionality that they're offering um, as, part of their, as part of their solution. Um, and that builds off of the, the Microsoft cloud's computing and, and artificial intelligence strength. It's going to be interesting to watch because a lot of the big players now, Google, Microsoft, um, and Amazon are offering solutions just for financial institutions. It'll be interesting to see how the cores align with that and whether or not it'll end up being a sort of team sport where if you're with Microsoft, you're with, um, I don't know, Finestra or one of the the cores. Um, So that'll be interesting to watch. I did read in your story that Vice President and Global Head for Business Consulting at Infosys, Pinnacle, said one reason companies are moving to the cloud is because it reduces the cost of operations by shifting from capital expenses to operating expenses. I did find that interesting because um, 
other in, in other industries, they have found that those costs start to escalate once you're on board. And so some companies are starting to adopt what they call it a chief cloud officer to manage those costs. And it reminds me of when I first subscribed to Netflix when I was paying eight bucks and now I'm paying like 18 bucks, which is sort of the cost of the cable that I replaced with Netflix. Um, so that could be something to watch moving forward. You also sure. reported this this week on trends in fraud. Um, now this year, ransomware has been the big cybersecurity story. What does the NASDAQ's head of global anti-financial crimes say are the emerging trends? Yeah, that was, um, we're very privileged to have a conversation with Valerie Bannert Thurner, right? As you mentioned, she's the global, she's the, the head of their global anti-financial crimes technology and, and business. Um, and, you know, I'd like to preface that. that one, one of the reasons you, you talk about AML so much is that this is an area where there, there's just so much to be gained. Right now, um, you know, to, to sort of frame the conversation, the United Nations estimates there's something like, you know, between two and four, $4.4 trillion laundered uh, in, in, in U.S. dollars um, equivalent, laundered throughout the global financial system every year. Now, okay, so it's a pretty big amount of money. Um, and then, you know, on the, on the, you know, for the good guys, 1% or less of that, perhaps much less, like 0.1% is actually detected. So this is an area, so this is actually an area where we can say um, pretty much the bad guys um, get away with it almost all the time and crime pays. So it's, so here's an area where we've really got to make some improvements. So um, Valerie and I, we talked about some of the things that make it difficult. Um, and she's, as you mentioned, she, she's pointing out some trends. One of the things going on is that, and, and people don't necessarily think about this, but the bad players in this space, those who are looking to launder money, are getting very tech, technologically sophisticated. They're investing, you know, their proceeds um, in in very complex systems, and they're, you know, they're they're moving money across borders, sometimes multiple borders, through multiple companies um, and through many wallets. So it's very difficult to trace. It's very difficult to follow this. So it's hard to find that. But as part of the good news that I heard from uh, from Valerie, the um, you know, there are, there are some things that are improving prospects of finding um, this money that's laundered. And some of it is, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning are being applied to, um, to increase the effectiveness of AML software um, and systems. Um, so, so to give you an idea, usually um, what you have to deal with as a bank is just like a ton of red flags as, you know, potential transactions that could be questionable. And you have to kind of sift through many of these, um, you know, manually, and it, it's just very tedious. Um, so AI and ML are being used not only to help sort through all the, you know, the red flags that you get, but also reduce um, the number of false positives that you get. So we're trying to kind of hone in and, and get, get people to look, um, you know, at, um, you know, at, at only the stuff that matters. The other thing that, that she mentioned to me, and she even called this um, the big one this year. So in terms of what we should be looking for, um, Cryptocurrency and the underlying blockchain technology um, that that underpins cryptocurrency is um, is seeing this like massive usage spikes, um, massive investment this year, um, and that presents a number of uh, a number of very particular challenges. We can, first of all, you have anonymity of players involved in, in cryptocurrency um, trading. So the you know 
uh, both parties and there, there's an anonymity. Um, and then also it, um, you know, Valerie mentioned it introduces new payment rails. So payments are, you know, you're, you're going to have to follow them. They're coming in from different directions. Um, and you've got these anonymous players in there and it presents some new challenges there. So just a few things to sort that are sort of going on in that space um, that can be very difficult to, uh, to get, get a handle on. Yes, uh, earlier in the year, I spoke with chief risk officers and false positives were one of their main concerns. So I'm sure that will resonate with any chief risk officers out there listening. Um, it does seem like we can't get away from crypto. <laughs> uh, if you're a financial institution, you are gonna have to engage with it. Um, it was interesting what you said about you know, the difficulties in cracking down on crypto. Um, the Biden administration this earlier this month, I think it was, took, took action to sort of crack down on that ransomware program using sanctions to cut off digital payment systems that allow such activities to happen in the crypto space. So that's interesting. Um, I think that's all we have time for today, but Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about what you're reporting on next week? Well, look for this. You mentioned, um, you know, how banks maybe can get involved in the crypto space. I have a, uh, I think just had a very interesting conversation with a, um, a consulting group that has a new service to, uh, to discuss with banks exactly that, banks and financial institutions that might be looking to get into this space. Um, we've, they're offering a service to sort of explore all those possibilities with you. So I think that's definitely one thing that's on my radar screen that um, people should be looking for. Next week, I'll be reporting on bot governance, what it means, how you do it, some tips from some banks and consultants. I also have a podcast with Pedestro. They're offering three strategies for becoming a next generation bank. So that should be fun. Um, thank you for joining us for the weekly wrap on The Buzz. Here's a look ahead. Oh, for the podcast content, more podcast content, check out Bank Automations News and search The Buzz from Bank Automation News on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you.